Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by comedian, actor, artist, Jeff Garland. Garland first came on the podcast back in the summer of 2019. Obviously, a lot has changed since then. But in the intervening years, despite a global pandemic, the Chicago-born performer has done a whole lot of what he likes to do. Tell jokes in comedy clubs, take photos of his friends and travels, enjoy long naps with his cockapoo companion Sage, and of course, act in film and television shows. Namely, The Goldbergs, which recently premiered its ninth season on ABC. He's also just reprised his role as Jeff Green in the latest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, created by and starring Larry David. New episodes from season 11 air every Sunday night on HBO Max. For now... Here's a clip from the trailer. Thank you all for coming. Oh, thank you. I want to make a toast to friendship. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, Larry. You can't look me in the eye and toast. What does it do? You're saying hello. I see you. I connect with you. Hello. I see you. I acknowledge you. I connect with you. I think you're rude. You see how stupid it is. What happened to the movie where you were playing me? Oh, the God. It was based on me? Yeah, it went away. It's interesting because they were very specific. They loved the performance. They hated the character. The word that kept reappearing was repugnant. As we near the end of 2021, the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm is much-needed comedic levity. For his part, Garland is, of course, great on the show as Larry's best friend and manager. But... As you're about to find out, Jeff is a lot more soulful and introspective than you may be used to from television. There's a real tenderness to him that I've always responded to. Garland is fond of saying that he lives the blues through his comedy. And I think you'll have a good idea of what exactly he means by that by the end of this episode. We talk about love, pain, dreams his battle with food addiction, the Dave Chappelle special, the subsequent Netflix walkout, and a whole lot more. Jeff likes to treat these talks like a jazz performance, prone to sudden outbursts, changes in chords and rhythm, 
imbued with feeling and humor and spontaneity. My role, as always, was to simply guide the song and play the parts that needed to be played, one note at a time. I hope you enjoy it. And now, here is Jeff Garland. You know, it's a, it's this show specifically that has me, unless I'm ordered to by a studio or a network, it's this show specifically that made me say no to talk shows. I don't like any of them. And the hosts are varying talents. Some are very talented. But no, I, I do podcasts only or interviews that I want to do. So I ruined it for them? Yes, you ruined it for them, Sam. Well, I'm sorry about that, and uh, I thank you for being here. Now, when you are about to perform at a comedy club, it's my understanding that you'll request a song to be played before you go on stage. Or as I go up. Or as you go up. Yeah. And before you got here, I texted you and I said, why don't we start this podcast where you would start one of your comedy shows? And you delivered a song. Yes, and it was just the first thing that popped in my head. There was no agenda to it, or I'm in the mood to hear it. It was just like, boom. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. If you're young at heart. For it's hard you will find to be narrow of mind if you're young at heart I'm enjoying it this song is it's a Sinatra song from the 50s but it rings to me about a movie called The Front with Woody Allen and the words are true one of the keys to making your dreams if they're remotely feasible Staying childlike, staying young, no matter how old I am, that spirit, it's completely true. I love this song. It's a beautiful performance. There's three people that relax me in terms of their music. Sinatra, Billie Holiday, and Bob Marley. All three of them soothe me. I can put on any one of their albums and I'm being soothed. I didn't know, by the way, I'd be stressed when I texted you. When you did text me? Yeah. And you chose this song. Yes. One, I think I did discover the song from The Front, right. which is a great film. Made by people who were blacklisted. Yes. And and, and a difficult time to praise Woody Allen. So I, I won't say much more, but... You should praise Woody Allen as a filmmaker and a comedic actor. You don't have to praise Woody Allen the man. O.J. Simpson was a great football player. Great football. I saw him play live when I was a kid against the Dolphins. You can't tell me he's a good man. You can't put those words into my mouth. And so what they accomplished in their art is, just like what they did or what they may have done is. It's unbelievable that you kind of started here from such a beautiful song. Right. That is young at heart because... Right. And by the way, Sinatra would get into fights. He treated people a lot of times poorly. He was up all night. And it basically the world revolved around him. I would guess that he was a narcissist. He's a whole bunch of things, and that's that's a rabbit hole to not even... No, but it's all a rabbit hole. Exactly. Discussing any human being who I have on my Instagram... It says, doing the best I can with the information I've been given. I love that. Which is the truth. We're all doing the best we can. And by the way, if you haven't broken a law, people got to get over cancel culture. Like there are people who've done things along those lines who I feel should be in prison. And then there are other people who I thought who did, made an ill-advised choice, but still learned from it. And it wasn't something you should go to jail for. So the idea that they shouldn't be allowed to work, what you have as a right as a audience member is not to watch their movies, not to listen to their music, not to go see them do stand-up comedy or watch their specials. But the idea that a sh person should not be allowed to work is, to me, completely wrong. It is a coincidence that we happen to be talking 
during the week of this walkout at Netflix over Dave Chappelle's oh, special. I'd love to talk about that. The special is called The Closer. And this past week, Netflix employees in support of the trans community went out. They protested. They walked out of the Netflix facilities. One protester named Matthew Brow said, everyone should have a voice. I believe in free speech, but I also believe that words are harmful. Words can lead to violence. This is not about people's feelings getting hurt or political correctness. This is about the threats of violence that people in the trans community face every single day. Do you know why they face that? Not because of words. Because there's a lot of assholes in the world. There's a lot of stupid motherfuckers who are ignorant and not kind and not thoughtful. There is no one who listened to a Bob Dylan song and didn't commit violence because they listened to it. So I don't think words and music are harmful. I think laws are harmful one way or another. I think ignorance is harmful. And I don't think that Dave Chappelle saying that is going to make somebody commit some act of violence. I do think that there are stupid, ignorant people who would commit acts of violence from things they don't understand, whether it being a Jew or your sexual identity or anything. I'm just saying there's lots of idiots out there. I would love a good protest against stupidity and ignorance. I'm a guy who believes in just kindness. That's all. And by the way, I'm not an idealist with that. I'm just saying that Dave Chappelle's special should be chastised for not being funny. It should be chastised for not picking noble targets. Why Dave, who I admire, who I respect, chose three specials in a row to have that topic, I don't understand. And by the way, it was a very interesting TED Talk, if you ask me what I thought of Dave Chappelle's special. It's not comedy. It's Someone with an opinion. Someone who I respect their opinion, but I don't agree with their opinion. You haven't found his last three specials funny. I laugh some in this special. Dave Chappelle, it's almost impossible for him not to be funny. I mean, I know he's one of the top half dozen comedic talents, but his choice of targets, I don't agree with. Now, this noble target... What does that mean to you right now? That means if you're going to go after somebody, have them be somebody of power, of substance. Like I said to you, I came in here, and I don't know if I'll make this funny because it's not a stand-up show, but I just came from the Apple store, and I drove there and drove away in my Tesla. A couple of thoughts. Number one, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to go buy what I want in an Apple store. I'm incredibly lucky to buy a Tesla. My idealism was all about electricity in terms of driving an electric car, but I'm sorry, the company has completely lost its way. The owner's lost his way. I'm talking about Tesla. And the same with Apple. You go into an Apple store and there used to be a genius bar. Most people for the beginnings of the genius bar knew their crap. Now I go in there and I know more than the other people. And there are so many different walls that you hit when you're in there trying to make a purchase. It's not simple. It's abusive. And so Amazon, I know, doesn't treat anybody nicely, but I'll be damned if they don't make my life easier. And so there's that quandary of supporting them the way they treat people, which is wrong, and having my life be easier and not having to go here and there. I don't know. It's all very confusing to me. That's what I want to say, and I'm sure confusing to your listeners. That's all. We're piecing it together one company at a time, but if we're on the subject of big corporations, Mm -hmm. I want to put a button on this talk. Okay. You've worked for Netflix. Yep. You may very well work with them again. I will. The, The man who runs it, I support Ted Sarandos. He's one of my best friends, and I completely support his approach to this. You have to be empathetic. And I also saw what What's-Her-Name wrote. Hannah Gatsby Gatsby. wrote to Ted Sarandos. And I would have appreciated what she wrote if she had already asked Netflix to take her special off, if she had already expressed her reservations in general. Ted Sarandos was not dragging her into it. He was stating a fact that... They have aired her special. And 
I won't go further with that because I know that a lot of people really dig her. And I think she's very intelligent. She was the first comedian in comedy history to have a special design for people without senses of humor. Like everybody who takes themselves too seriously loved her special. And other people were resentful of it, which I felt wrong mm -hmm. because she has her voice. She's funny. But I thought it was interesting, well done, well thought. There's nothing I dismissed about it in any way, except for the fact that a lot of people I know who don't have senses of humor, and when I mark a sense of humor, I'm not saying you got to dig me. I'm saying in general, a lot of people don't have senses of humor, which is my number one thing I can't stand. That special was a special for people without a sense of humor. Well, I disagree because I have an impeccable sense of humor. Yes. That's why you're here twice. Yes. Oh, they're very kind to, to have me and go. I love that you disagree. I liked the special. Okay. I laughed at the special. Yes. I was moved by the special. Yes. Did it veer into a TED talk at times? Sure. Yes. But I did laugh and I was moved. By the way, Dave Chappelle and Hannah Gatsby are closer together than they could possibly know at this moment. They both enjoy a good TED Talk. Not that I would agree with one or another. I, I imagine right now I would agree more with Hannah Gatsby, but I didn't like her telling Ted to go fuck himself because she had not asked to have her special removed. Mm -hmm. And when she was having all the success with it, she embraced Netflix. In her Emmy speech, she thanked Ted Sarandos. So I don't think he's dragging her down. He's stating a fact and I didn't like her response, just like I didn't like Dave Chappelle's choice of, of targets, which are not noble, and the hurtful things that he was saying I did not agree with. So, there. I think that's fair. Yeah. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something this forth here. This tea is good, by the way. Oh, good. If you're at home, fix yourself some tea as you listen. By the way, there's nothing better than listening to Talk Easy with a delightful cup of tea. I just want to say that. It's delightful. Is that something you do? Yes, it's delightful. Really? Oh, God, yeah. You are wonderful at your job. I told you when I first met you and I did it how taken I was. But, man, you're a, you're a, you're, you're a big bowl of groovy, my friend. That's what I will say. We got to put that on the poster. Whatever you want. So you can defend Ted Sarandos. He's your friend. That's great. My sense is he's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. So will Netflix. Fine. He's yes. going to be fine. He's going to and be by fine. the way, I'm not worried about him. I'm just saying, what other position can he take? He can't say, Dave, you hurt me with it. Because they show a lot of shitty movies. They have movies on there that hurt me emotionally that I don't like. Right. That the fact they were even made or even financed by Netflix pissed me off. That they wasted two hours of your time. Wasted two hours of my time. You're never getting it back. So, never get, Yes. So... I think he's an equal opportunity offender as a, someone who doesn't, who's not an artist. By the way, Netflix is like having a cable system. There's channels for everyone in the world of Netflix. And so people said to me, why did Ted put up Full House or whatever it was, the remake of Full House? I go, he's got every kind of viewer watching. So I say, don't watch Dave Chappelle. And, you know, you want to do a walkout, that's your business. I agree. And, and if they're going to continue to take that egalitarian approach. Very much, yes. Then the ask that is being made from the trans community, which is to create more art for trans people, to create a trans fund. They should have no problem doing that, and I have a feeling they'll do the right thing. I'm hoping. I'm hoping they'll do the right thing, but I don't agree with that. Do a Jew fund. Do a Chinese fund. Do all the people that have been bullied over the years. Gay fund. Do just a plain gay fund. Every group that's slightly different or more has been bullied throughout history by ignorant assholes. So I say just be thoughtful because he and his people, I think, are thoughtful people. I hope. And by the way, if I ever found out they weren't, I would not work with them. But if you're thoughtful, yeah, have great trans movies. But if the trans community has a secret to making good films, I want to know because so much stuff out there stinks stinks and offends me. Like, I wouldn't be upset if Netflix said, we will have a $10 million trans fund. Great. So understand, I'm not against that. Yeah. By the way, 
I understand the premise of Black Lives Matter. The people who say, what, all lives matter, they're not getting it. Black lives haven't mattered. White lives have mattered. Yes, they all matter, but we're pointing out right now that certain people are not being respected, just like the trans community. Like, there's a lot of people not being respected. And I want respect for all of them, and like I said, kindness. And I, by the way, you know what's really beautiful? As I said here, a I'm yammering, so I'm irritating some of your listeners, and B I've pissed off some of your listeners who do not have senses of humor. <laughs> I'm just letting you know that, and I know that, and I'm not going to apologize unless I've been mean to you. I, I don't think I've been mean to you, and I hope I've not been mean to any of your listeners because I love and respect. Anyone that I could have offended, I do though. Although, although I will say, and I'm jumping around here, the one area I don't have respect for is lack of humor. I do not. I don't care what you are. You have a lack of a humor. Go fuck yourself. I don't think you could be mean to me, or maybe you could, but I don't. I don't see it in. The- I'm a man, so I will always say stupid shit. But as a man named Jeff Garland, I will not say ignorant shit. At least I hope that I wouldn't. So to be a man and to be a performer, it's a guarantee that you're going to say stupid shit? Hell yes. Why is that? Because men are stupid to varying degrees. I mean, even Stephen Hawking. Like, I'm talking about every man. (laughs) He cheated on his wife. Every man is stupid. Every man to varying degrees. The people who would track, who would attack the trans community physically, those people are incredibly stupid and ignorant. Someone who doesn't understand the trans community is stupid and maybe slightly ignorant. So talk to me about performing again. Yes. Because we're on the topic of comedy and, yes. and what you can and cannot say. You're getting back on stage, I presume, after... 18 months of yes, sitting I am. I've home. done four shows in the past, like, let's say, month, and they've all been delightful. How's the crowd been? Appreciative, grateful. An audience comes in with their emotional landscape and even their physical landscape of what they've experienced in the past six months, week, day, minutes. So when they're all put together as one, that's an organism. You know what I mean? That's really an organism. And that organism on any given night might not find me funny, might find me hysterically funny. It's always different. When they don't find me funny, I have to resort to craft. I have to go to a hard place of things that I've learned to make it a good show. They'll have no idea that, in my eyes, it was work and and not a great show. But when they come in and there's a vibe, they've all had a great time however long and they feel good and they've eaten good because it's also about how healthy are they? Is their stomach upset? Are they angry at their spouse? Like there's so many variables that create a solid organism in the room. Sometimes when you have hecklers, that can be one individual that is the exception to what's going on in the room. But in general, it becomes an organism. So what I'm hopeful for, and I have no control over, is they all feel great and they're all happy because then I can riff in a jazzy way, if you will. But that pivot to different approaches, it's imperceptible to the audience. They don't know if you're changing. They'll have no idea, none whatsoever, because I will do my best to give them a great show. Sometimes I'll go to the green room after a show and I can barely move because it was such hard work. But they thought, hey, great show. Or I'll go back there and I'll be so, I'll be flying. I'll be, my heart will be fluttering in a good way because it was so much fun Mm -hmm. and a great show. My best shows are if I'm having fun. Right. If I'm having fun, the audience is having fun and it's a full circle thing. There's a story I was told that Paul Simon told somebody. And Paul Simon at one point was somewhere in Europe performing with Art Garfunkel. And during the show, Art Garfunkel kept complaining to Paul Simon how crappy this stadium filled with people were. And Paul Simon's attitude was, yeah, we got to work tonight. We have to work tonight. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy. It's fucking work. Shut the fuck up. I don't know if he said those words or something like that, but that was his attitude because some nights it's just, you know, you go to work. Look, you're going to have people on this show every once in a while where you go, 
oh, did that stink. Now I'm wondering if you've ever been listening to the show, drinking tea, thinking Sam worked on that one. Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have. Some people forget that they're, they need to be active and they need to be present with you. And they need to listen. I'm doing a lot of talking, but I'm very much listening to you. Well, I'm curious about the material you've been doing. And since I can't go to a show right now, or rather we're right. doing a show, do you still write notes in your notes app? I write in my notes app and I almost never go to them. They have lived on, I have notes from, I mean, 10 years probably uh -huh. worth of notes in the notes app. And I bet you I've looked at them twice in 10 years. I go up, I play a song, usually different. I talk about whatever I'm feeling and I'm off to the races and something will remind me of a story. That being said, I am now for the future. As I'm getting older, I'm 59 years old. I want to have a solid as a rock act, which I will improvise from. I made sure in my special, uh, Our Man in Chicago, that even though I was improvising, I had a beginning, middle, and an end, which made the experience like listening to the way people made albums, where there's a beginning and a middle and an end, not getting my big laugh and then saying goodnight. I don't like that. Thoughtfulness is what I dig in any artistry, you know, and with anyone's arts. Well, let's talk about that last special of yours, because you brought it up. Yes. There's a bit that I want to play from it. Okay. That I think is really timely for right now, because as you may know, in the last few months, there's been a new report here from NPR that I want to read. Okay. Last week, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics announced that 4.3 Americans, or 2.9% of the entire workforce, mm -hmm. quit their jobs in August. Mm -hmm. That was a record-breaking month. Piggybacking on previous record-breaking months, the great resignation is real, and it can be seen across virtually all industries. Now, they are quitting their jobs ostensibly because of working conditions, but also yeah. because many people, after spending a lot of time in isolation alone, want to pursue their dreams. Which is the most beautiful thing. If, if that number was higher, I'd be thrilled. And that's where you come in. Right. Oh, I know what you're going to play now. It's the end of the show. This is a clip from your special, Our Man in Chicago from 2019. So let's say you're from St. Louis and you sing. You love singing. Oh, fuck, you love singing. And you're a good singer. Not great, but good. Maybe even really good, but not great. But yet you're great at math. Here's what I say you do. Don't go follow your dreams in Nashville or New York or Los Angeles. No. Stay, you don't even stay in St. Louis, but go and become an accountant. Become an accountant because you're great with numbers. And then with all the money that you make from being an accountant, you, uh, <laughs> with all the money you make, buy some recording time. Record some music. Give it to your friends. Let them tell you, you made the right decision. So, so I'm not, I mean that. I mean, everyone's like, go follow your dreams, follow your whimsy. No, you could be miserable. You say, don't follow your dreams. And we happen to be in a very specific no, but new moment. I, I actually, in the special, and there was nothing I could do about it. I didn't say, I forgot to say the main part, which is, don't follow your dreams. Do what you're great at. Because if you do what you're great at, you're going to be successful because you're great at it. So if your dream, like I say in the special, is to be a singer, don't do what you're great at. I know too many people out here. I'll just use out here and New York, okay, where they're miserable because they're not that good and they're not getting any sort of success. Do you say that to them? No, that's not my place to do. That's cruel. You know, if they asked me, do you think I'm good? I'd tell them the truth. If they were somebody I cared about. If I don't know you, I'm not going to get into a, a truthful discussion. I'm going to say, hi, have a lovely day. You know what I mean? I, but if I care about you, I will tell you the straight dope. I love that these people are quitting their jobs to follow their dreams, but I just hope that they're great at whatever their dream is. Because otherwise, it's just a dream. There's a great song about that by Neil Young called Dreamin' Man, and it's all about that. He doesn't have the skill in what his dreams are, but he keeps on dreaming, and it's like, 
you're only going to bang your head against the wall over and over. The only people that can get by, at least in show business, without having discernible talent are people who are extraordinarily good looking and or extraordinarily charismatic. A lot of times you can ride that wave. So you got to be great. That's what I'm basically saying. If you're going for your dream and you're really great at what your dream is, man, don't let anybody stop you. But if you're better at something else, do that. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024. J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts. When did you know that you were great at stand-up? From the time I was in nursery school, I was the funniest kid in class. I knew that stand-up comedy was a job when I was eight years old, and I saw Jimmy Durante perform, and on the way home, I asked my parents if that was a job. They said yes. I said, that's the job that I want. Then it took years before, and I'm talking about there's a minimum, and it's pretty universal in stand-up. It takes about 10 years to really even start having a groove going. The greatest combination is confidence and humbleness. So I'm confident that my skill level for a comedian is at a high level, but I'm also humble enough to appreciate the opportunity that I get to go on stage and also know that I may have to use my craft and it may be a hard night because the audience isn't grooving to me. You at 20, as a stand-up, you have this experience down in South Beach. Yes. You're an MC for some comedy night there. You have a kind of loud heckler in the crowd. Yeah, I lost my virginity to a heckler. 
the same night that she heckled me. You know, by the way, that's the most fitting way for you to lose your virginity. Can I just tell you something? <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than I lost my virginity to a heckler. A 31-year-old lawyer. I was 20. What was she heckling you over? Oh, I was terrible. So whatever she said, she was right. It's like this past week, the Bears played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. A woman gave him the bird when he scored and he yelled out to all the fans, I own you. Mm -hmm. He does. He owns the Bears. Sorry if you're offended by that. Aaron Rodgers owns the Bears. He owns other teams, too. But specifically, he would only use those words on the Bears. So that night she owned you. She owned me without a doubt. Whatever she was yelling, she wasn't nice or thoughtful, but I stunk. So how does one go from being heckled by a woman to losing their virginity to that woman? Because what happened was after the show, I went down to the corner. It was the Carlisle on South Beach. And a guy came up to me and said, my friend wants to buy you a drink. And I said, I don't really drink, but a ginger ale, sure, you know. And he goes, she wants to say hello. She came up to me, and I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I don't really want to talk to you. She goes, will you come on the front? It's like a porch in front. Come out on the porch. I want to talk to you. I'm really sorry about what she was very apologetic. And then in front, she was more apologetic, and I thought she's not a horrible person. She grabbed me and kissed me. And then she ran onto the beach and started ripping off her clothes and climbed up in a lifeguard stand, yelling, follow me. So I did. And that's how I lost my virginity, up in the top of a lifeguard stand on South Beach to a heckler. And did you fold your clothes in a certain way? Yeah, well, yeah. So you're, well, that's the Jewish boy growing up. When I got up there, I didn't rip off my clothes. I'm that, who rips off their clothes and throws them anywhere? I took off my clothes carefully, folded them neatly. And then as we were, I wouldn't say making love, having sex, um, <laughs> we were both enjoying ourselves. It was, it was very pleasant. Mm -hmm. But I kicked my clothes onto the ground, and then I saw a homeless dude come towards my pants, which had my wallet into it. And I ran down naked and said, get away from my pants went back up and refolded my pants and put them further away. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. In Our Man in Chicago, you talk about this unrequited love, which has been a, a constant yes. in your life. Constant in my life. You and I haven't spoken since the end of 2019. Yes. A, a lot has happened in the world. A lot yeah. has probably happened in your life. Where, a lot has happened in my what life. What is going on? I have a significant other who I'm not married to. You have something around your hand there, the finger. Oh, no, this is um, a splint because I have trigger finger. This is not a, what kind of, what kind of wedding ring or betrothed ring would that be? It's felt. I bought it on Amazon. I bought two of them because I knew stop I'd lose giving, one. Can we stop doing an Amazon ad I'm on not, this show? I, I'm saying they don't, they didn't have this particular one at okay. my local drugstore. But by the way, am I doing better buying from CBS or Walgreens? Aren't they giant corporations too? I'm not saying that, but I just, it's enough Amazon over I'm here. I'm not saying, I've already given them the equal, the simple way they make it and the horrible way they treat their employees. Okay. I've been very, very uh, Even transparent. Okay. Yeah. Well, you do have something on your wedding finger. Yeah, but I, that's because that's the finger that I have, a trigger finger. But I have the watch because of my girlfriend, who is, her name's Sari Tract. I don't care, I'll say her name because she likes when I say her name, which is really funny to me. And Sari, who's a, a doll, and I love her. I love her so much. She is my best friend. And for the first time in my life, I have a full-on love. And that's not to insult my ex-wife, who I love very much and I'm very close to, actually. But this is the first time where it's really been right. And we've been together a year. We met online. We were set up. She was out of town visiting her family. And then when she came back to L.A., she's a film editor who's also studying. She's getting her master's in psychology. She showed up at my front door and I said, you can't leave if you want to stay because I'm filming Curb. I'm filming the Goldbergs. I cannot be around somebody who's around the world. So you have to commit. You can leave, but you got to wear a mask. It's got to be the right situation. And so we've been together. She has her own apartment, which she goes to. But 
we have been together, really together for a year, which a lot of people during the pandemic, I imagine, have gone through something similar. Well, but I was good with it. You know what I learned during the pandemic? What? As I imagine, I love the people quitting their jobs. I learned that I love doing nothing. And by nothing, I mean nothing. I love sitting on my day bed and just staring at the tree or closing my eyes. I don't need to be sleeping. I don't need to be listening to music. I don't need to be reading. I don't need to be writing. I don't need to be performing. I really enjoyed doing nothing. My dog saved my life. Who's my dog from the Goldbergs, if anyone watches the Goldbergs? So during the pandemic, yeah. with your dog, Sage, yes. looking out of the window, yeah. you thought, this is enough. This is enough. Exactly. I always felt I got to be doing something. By the way, can I really be honest? I know I'm successful, but I never felt successful in any way. And I'm not talking, as I said, ego is not good and to be humble and grateful. But I always thought I need to be more successful. I don't need to be. If I become more successful, delightful. Now you're in love and you have this new season of Curb. Yep. It's been part of our lives for two decades now yes that is sure true yes what does it mean to you in this moment well what's really funny that you say that only when watching it at the premiere and i'm talking about all the years i've done it the honor that i have working with those other people we all by the way know that the cast of curb we all love each other and we're all friends who actually will talk to one another when we're not in production we love each other And I am grateful to work with Larry David's brilliance. But only when I was watching episode five specifically, this one scene with J.B. Smoove, myself, and Larry, there's no other TV show on television that comedically comes near to us in terms of the skill level, the relaxation with it, and Larry David's mind, what he comes up with. And it is... A thing of beauty. And I've never been, up until this moment, so proud of the work that we have done on Curb Your Enthusiasm. After doing the show for 20 years, 10 years worth of episodes, 11 years, whatever, only Tuesday night, in that moment, did it really hit me where I went, wow, this is really good. And not just specifically, yes, that scene, but just the show in general. I'm like, wow. What the hell changed in you? Don't know. I don't question things like that. I am in therapy. I have therapy twice a week. One for my addiction, which is sugar and food, and uh, the other just for getting through life. Both of my therapists are older gentlemen who both look like Santa Claus. My goal, I swear, when I was a teenager, was to be a wise man. Well, I I know that's weird, but that was, it wasn't to be the best comedian in the world. I think I might be the most relaxed comedian that exists, but I don't know that I'm the funniest by any stretch of the imagination. But I wanted to be the guy sitting on the side of the hill that someone would come up and say, hey, what do you think about this? And whatever I said was remotely thoughtful, kind, and wise. That's my aspiration. The therapy is there to help me get through the world. Not I don't wonder why anymore in my old age. I just accept. So I felt that Tuesday night, and look at me. I embraced it. It's long overdue. By the way, the only thing I want to do is continue doing good work. However that's accepted, I have no control over that. I just want to keep doing good work. Only one other time in my life did I say, stop worrying about when you become successful. And that was in my late 20s I said that. And by my early 30s, I actually was successful because all I cared about was being good or great. Now, you mentioned going to therapy. And I think people are listening to this right now. And they're hearing you as this reformed man in love, happy, kind of finding this new sense of self. But there's this day that you have that I want you to walk people through. Yes. And the day will eventually lead us to a song by Larry Bell. Oh, shut your grandma's balls. You want me to talk about that day? I was visiting, I was in Chicago because my mother was in hospice. She was dying. And I thought, she's not quite there yet, so I'm going to go home tomorrow, which is Saturday. This is Friday. 
That night, Friday, I went to a club called Blues on Halstead, one of the best blues clubs. That and Kingston Mines are both on Halstead across the street from one another. And there was a gentleman playing named Lurie Bell who was performing. His father was Carrie Bell who played with all the greats, harmonica player. Lurie Bell is a guitar player, songwriter. The doorman told me that Lurie Bell had some deep problems in terms of mental illness. Delmark Records approached Lurie Bell and said, hey man, if you make a record for us, we will pay for all your medical care. We will get you the help that you need. And he did. And he made this album, which I, of course, I ordered the CD online, but I also downloaded it in uh, Spotify or iTunes. I got both. I, uh, look how rich I am. I have both. Um, and I had it in my phone, downloaded the album. The next morning, as I went to board the plane, prior to boarding, I always get like a protein cookie, red licorice, like a whole barrage of shit that I eat on the flight. But at that time, Virgin was still working. And Virgin in first class, yes, I do uh, fly first class. It's a luxury, although first class is no longer first class. But what it does <laughs> offer me, hold on, let me just tell this to you, Sam is extra room. That's that's why I do it. There's no luxury up there, but there's extra room. But what they did give you on Virgin was your choice of snacks. And one of the snacks was Dean and DeLuca's Swedish fish, the Red Sea. Oh, oh. And I always ask for two. So I'm on the flight. I'm listening to Lurie Bell's album, which is beautiful. Just relaxing, closing my eyes, nodding off, whatever. I was very relaxed considering that my mother is on death's door. When we landed, I noticed that A, I didn't take any Swedish fish. B, I didn't eat any of the crap that I had bought. And I thought, wow, that's something. But I knew not to say, I'm cured. I'm good. The next morning, Sunday morning, I planned on and did. I went to, for the first time in a long time, an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And I got a sponsor. And I went from there, I went home for a little while, and I realized I had separated from my wife, and I made the decision to go ahead and definitely get divorced. And I had to let her know. And she was hurt by that, which makes sense. I was hurt by it. I didn't like it because I love her, and I would never want to hurt her, but it was hurtful. Then there was a, a woman friend of mine. We were friends, but I was in love with her, but I never, out of respect, I didn't cheat with her. I didn't even have an emotional relationship with her. I just cared a lot about her. But I also went to her house and said, hey, I can't hang out anymore. This is not healthy for me. So I just felt it wasn't working the right way. It wasn't. It was unrequited. Although I never let her know how I feel, it was still unrequited. I knew that inherently. Then I got a phone call right after that. My mom's dead. And I'm like, oh, you know, I go, it's been a day. Well, it occurred to me that in less than an hour, I've got a show at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. And I really can't cancel. They've sold tickets. I mean, I could. I'd have a right to. My mom just died. But I said, no, I'm not going to. And I went and I did a show and I didn't talk about it because I wasn't ready to do the things that I do now talking about it. But I went and I improvised. And see, that's another reason. You got to have an act in case your mom dies. It's very helpful. Just saying that to any comedian out there whose mother might be, you know, okay. But anyhow, I had a great show and it felt good. On the way home, I'm listening to the Lurie Bell album in my car. And there was this song by him called uh, Faith in Music. What I realized when listening to the song was that's all I have. I love my, I have two sons, 21 and 25. I could not love, love them more. I'm very close with both of them, but it's their life. They're not mine. I help give them life. And hopefully I continue to teach them the, the way I think of myself, hopefully as becoming a wise man. That's their life. So what do I have? What do I own? And I own two things, my faith, and my faith is not a specific God, but I believe in something bigger than me. The universe is God, and it, it exists, and it's bigger than me. So all I've got is my faith, which is how I stay sober, 
by not eating the crap. I've got something bigger than me that I can turn things over to. And my comedy, my comedy, I own. I present it to the audience, but I own it. So that song was like a wow, because I heard it that first time. And from that moment on, it's been quite groovy. A lot of pain. I don't want people to think like from that moment on, I was destined to get a girlfriend. I was destined for this. No, I've had a lot of pain, a lot of things that someday will come out of my autobiography that I've had to deal with in the past couple of years. Really painful stuff, but it was quite remarkable. Why don't we hear the song that yes. got you from point A to point B? Yes, yes. This is Faith in Music by Lurie Bell. I get by with faith in music. Faith in music are all I got. No, that much. Everything is for a reason. I believe God has a plan. Lord have mercy. <laughs> By the way, for those of you listening who are like the blues, he's playing a Gibson ES-335, red. I know that's what he plays. And I have one too. And that, that's a special guitar. And, and you get the feeling hearing him play it because the feeling of what he's singing about and what he's playing, it comes out. It's beautiful. But you must also get the feeling of that car ride. Very much so, yes. I, it, and I also am taken back, even though he didn't sing the song when I saw him at Blues, I'm taken back to seeing him, taken back to hearing about it, and taken back to that day, which, by the way, the anniversary of that day is November 5th, which is coming up. I call it the day in my calendar. And uh, it's the fifth anniversary of that day coming up. Long journey. Yes. But by the way, I'm a Chicago boy. As am I. And uh, Yes. And I look at what I do is I ease people's pain, but I'm living the blues through comedy. Last time you and I sat together, before we go, there's this Kurt Vonnegut quote that you really like that I presented to you, and I'm going to present it again. Okay. He wrote, be soft. Do not let the world make you hard. Do not let pain make you hate. Do not let the bitterness steal your sweetness. Take pride that even though the rest of the world may disagree, you still believe it to be a beautiful place. That's right. Before you respond to that, I want to play what you said back in 2019. Okay. I'd love to hear it. Yes, yes, yes. What he's really saying in that, be kind to yourself. That is the quote of be kind to yourself. And at 57 years old, the only thing I know, and I've gotten closer to the mic, that's why it sounds a little more richer. I should have done the whole interview this close. You could have told me, you know how it works. Uh, your fellow in the booth uh, should have said something. Uh, you both have failed miserably. To Absolutely. Okay, anyhow, it's the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do is to be kind to yourself. I know nothing else. I know this more than comedy. I know this more than any. It's the only thing I know for sure. Be kind to yourself. No matter what the world throws at you, don't let them beat you. Don't. And I would jump on that with, and by the way, I agree with myself, and it is incredibly hard. People have always said, be kind to yourself. It is so difficult, and it's a constant fighting struggle for all of us to not be mean to ourselves. But that being said, it goes back to the song we started the show with, Young at Heart. Maintain your sense of humor. Stay childlike. Be wise, but stay childlike. Be kind to yourself. Maintain your sense of humor. Try and get a sense of humor if you don't have one. Getting a sense of humor is almost equivalent to being a narcissist. I don't know that there's a cure if you don't have a sense of humor or you're a narcissist. They're not selling that at yeah, the store. They're not, they're not selling that at the store. But if you got it, boy, oh boy, I know the world. And by the world being all the things around you can beat it out of you. And I've had it beaten out of me many times, but I've gotten it back, luckily for me. Be kind to yourself. Yes. 
as we go in the last two years, have you been? To the best of my ability, you bet. Yes, 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 yes. I've lost almost 100 pounds over the past five years, okay? Maybe even longer. And I did it without dieting. I didn't diet once, and I've lost 100 pounds. I've had to sit with my feelings. That's the key to it. I don't go eat ice cream when I'm feeling anxious. I have. I might again. I don't know. But in this moment, no. And that's being kind to yourself, not abusing myself with what my addiction is. It's been a struggle. It's always a struggle. It is truly the only thing I know for sure is to be kind to yourself. If this show is a time capsule, and I think you and I think it is, I certainly think it is, if we're to do this again in a few more years. I would love to. We probably will. What do you want for yourself? For myself, I know what I have to do, which is ease people's pain. I know I have to help keep continue raising my boys. I know I have to be kind and thoughtful to, to my girlfriend and the world around me. I know what I have to do. What do I want for myself? Eh, maybe Alex Rodriguez not broadcasting on ESPN Sunday nights anymore because he's terrible. He really is. He, no, he really ruins a game. Um, like little things like that is are what I want. That actually I would consider a big thing. And I hate that I'm ending the show with something critical. And by the way, I used to think it was just me until I've read more opinion pieces on that because I love baseball. And They always oh. say it's the little things, and this is your little thing. Yeah, so I, I imagine lots of little things here and there. That's all. The next time I have a piece of salmon that it tastes really good, mm-hmm. I, that's what I'm hopefully. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. Yeah. Piece of salmon. Well, you know, just the, the fish tastes good. It's like what Warren Zevon said: enjoy every sandwich. That's all I want is to enjoy every sandwich. Enjoy what little things come my way. I don't have a big agenda for what I want for myself. Well, I've enjoyed every moment of this. Well, you're very kind, and I really appreciate being here. Jeff Garland, always a pleasure. My pleasure. our show. Special thanks this week to Taylor Johnson, Baby Lerner, Giselle Rezga, and the team at IDPR. I'd also like to thank Holly Gleick, and of course, Jeff Garland. His stand-up special from 2019, Our Man in Chicago, is available to stream on Netflix. You can also watch Jeff on the latest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO Max. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd encourage you to check out our expansive back catalog, including talks with funny people like Ted Danson, Hannah Gatsby, Larry Wilmore, Norman Lear, Rob Reiner, Nick Offerman, Whitney Cummings, and W. Kamau Bell. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you do your listening. To learn more about our show, visit TalkEasyPod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at TalkEasyPod. And of course, this show wouldn't be possible without our incredible team. Our executive producer is Janik Sabravo. Our associate producer is Caitlin Dryden. Our editor for today's episode is Clarice Guevara. Illustrations by Krisha Shenoy. Video and graphics by Ian Chang, Derek Gaberzak, Orion Wong, Ian Jones, Isabel Primavera, and Ethan Seneca. Special thanks to Patrice Lee, Kaylin Ung, Shiloh Fagan, Callie Syringus, Nikki Spina, and Tim Moore, our engineer out of York Recording here in Los Angeles, California. The show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you back here next week with activist Jenea Future Khan. Until then, stay safe and so long. The tradition of breaking tradition continues 
with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Last year, the Army missed its recruitment goal. It had 65,000 spots to fill and came up 10,000 short of that target. Why is it so hard to recruit? How's the Pentagon responding? And how are the voices of service members on social media shifting the balance? Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish wherever you get your podcasts.